Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Uh, we are in uh, the month of prayer, and as Braden did say at uh, double speed, really would love for you to be engaged in the whole month of prayer. There's lots happening. The prayer cards are an important way just to express them. You know, the Word of God says if we have concerns or if we're anxious to bring our requests to Him. And so this is the way we can do that. Just fill it out and on the way out, someone different will take the prayer card and commit to praying that throughout the week. Hopefully, if you're on our database, hands up if you've got a prayer request text message to you. Don't unsubscribe. Uh, just grab it and pray. Stop and pray in that midst. Pray for whatever that prayer is. Read the Bible verse and may it uh, again focus you on, on Jesus in that prayer. Here's a, a guy, you probably wouldn't know who he is. His name is Evan Roberts. Now, Evan Roberts has got an incredible story, actually. He's a 26-year-old Welsh man, uh, Welsh coal miner. I'm not sure what year it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, he's a Welsh uh, coal miner. He went off to a village to hear a travelling preacher uh, present the gospel. And in that moment, he was, he was uh, moved to want to see... Uh, the Holy Spirit come into his village, into his town, and bring revival to Wales. And uh, there was this prayer that he prayed, and his prayer was, Lord, bend me, Lord, bend us. Meaning, Lord, have your way in me. Move me, shape me, mold me. Bend me to where I would share the gospel, where I would put others first. And this was a prayer that he prayed. Lord, bend me, Lord, bend us. And after witnessing the, this, this revival happening in this faraway village, he came back to his town and he wanted to see that happen in his town, in his city. Lord, bend me, Lord, bend us. So he went to the, the preacher, the pastor of, the, of his church, and he said, can I preach? And the pastor said, you're kidding me? No, you're not going to preach. I uh, wouldn't let him preach on a Sunday. I uh, wouldn't let him preach in, in the prayer meetings. They had prayer meetings every night. wouldn't let him preach. So what uh, Evan Roberts did is he stayed uh, till the church service would finish, and then he would preach. And uh, he would, uh, people started coming. People started coming to listen to hear him preach. And in fact, he would stay and preach all the way, sometimes to 4 a.m. in the morning. And from that preaching and from this prayer became a revival. And I don't know if you've read, if you know much about church history, the Welsh revivals, incredible uh, revival. Again, preaching to 4 o'clock in the morning, 1904 Welsh revival. And this prayer, Lord, bend me. Lord, bend us, became bend the church or mold the ship or push the church to save the world. In that revival, within the first three months, over 30,000 people became Christians. In the first three months, 30,000 people, that's half of Optus Stadium, said yes to Jesus, responded to Jesus. Within the first year, over 100,000 people, 100,000 people became Christians Lord, bend me, Lord, bend us. Lord, bend the church, shape the church to save the world. 100,000 people. So much so that this whole area was uh, obviously became Christians, but they socially changed. Their lives became different. Judges ran out of work. Police had no work to do because the crime rate, uh, crime rate dropped. In fact, a lot of the police stations set up choirs and uh, they would sing hymns. Uh, out of wedlock births dropped by 50%. 50% of 
because all these people had become Christians. Now, it was a coal mining area, coal mining town. And um, I don't know if there's a saying, swears like a coal miner. Is that? No. Anyway, I just made that up. But uh, apparently productivity dropped in the coal mines because of the horses. Everything was operated by horses. The horses got confused now with the instructions. Because the coal miners used to swear at and move and, and all these kind of swear words at the horses to get them to move, they weren't swearing anymore. And so the horses were like, uh, uh, what, what's going on? I don't recognise what's happening. And productivity in coal mines dropped until the horses realised that um, they were just being nice to them. Anyway, all I'm saying is dramatic social change. Through this prayer, Lord, bend me, Lord, bend us. Lord, bend the church, save the world. After about five years, uh, 90% of the people who actually became Christian were still on the Christian journey and growing in their understanding and faith in Jesus. Can we see that today? I reckon we can. Lord, bend us. When we ask and we pray radical prayers, God moves. Here's another individual. Again, you, you may not have seen this individual. It's not like it was taken on an iPhone. This is Win William Tyndale. Now, hands up if you know William Tyndale. A few people may know him. He's a Bible translator, uh, an absolute scholar. In the, he understood the Hebrew and he understood Greek. And he had a passion to see the Bible translated into English into English, into the vernacular, the, the language that people could understand so they could read it for themselves. He had a high regard for the priest of all believers that in that uh, as a Christian you could read the Bible and the Holy Spirit would teach you through that. The problem was the church and state did not agree with that. And, and, and there was an actual law that said you could not translate the Bible or any kind of uh, even prayers into English. And in fact, you could go to jail. In fact, you could be killed for that. And, and the, or the church needed to authorize anything that was translated. A lot of it was in Latin. The priests would say it. Uh, the people would come and listen to the priest, but they weren't allowed to know what it was or read it themselves. But Tyndale said, no, the word of God needs to be read by people that the Holy Spirit would, would teach them. And so he translated uh, the whole Bible, Hebrew and Greek. He translated the Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, and again, they passed this law saying, if you did that, you were in trouble. So much so, um, he, this is him. Um, again, this wasn't taken on an iPhone 3. Uh, this is just a, a description or a painting. He had this prayer, oh, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Open the King of England's eyes. You see, he prayed that prayer, right? That were his last words to come out of his mouth. You see, this is William Tyndale being put to death, burnt at a stake. He's got a rope around his neck, so they're strangling him as well as burning him. And what was his crime? Translating the Bible to English. That's what his crime was. But his prayer was this. Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Now, Tyndall didn't get to see the fulfillment of that prayer, but not long after that, we see that that prayer would come about. We see the Geneva Bible, then we see the King James Version. And in fact, Bibles would be in every English home, then every person would be able to read the Bible for themselves. Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Here's uh, two great uh, quotes that I love 
when it comes to prayer. Warren Weisberg, who's one of my favourite commentators, writes, in the Bible and in church history, the people of God, uh, the people God used were people who prayed. So if you look throughout the Word of God, we see that the people who God used were people who prayed. But also in church history, the people God used were people who would pray. Sometimes uh, very simple prayers, Lord, bend me. Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. But, but he would use people who would, would pray. And then Oswald Chambers, the, the devotionalist, writes, prayer does not equip us for, for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. And sometimes we think we'll pray uh, so, so we can do the work of God, but actually the praying is the work of God. That's where the toiling, that's where the hard work happens. So this morning we start our month of prayer, but we also start a new prayer series looking at one of the most well-known prayers or the most prayed prayer in human history. Anyone want to know what it is? We've already said what it was, wasn't it? The Lord's Prayer. One of the well-known prayer, or in fact, this prayer has been prayed more than any other prayer in human history. Now, when we look at this prayer, we want to be looking at it from two aspects. We want to be looking at it for a model of prayer, but also, and, and you would have heard that, looking at the Lord's Prayer as being a model for prayer, but we also want to be what we're calling living out the Lord's Prayer or living the Lord's Prayer. Now, I am uh, an Italian. Well, I was born in Australia. My parents are Italian, so Italian descent. Um, and so if you're an Italian, you know, you have a love of tomatoes, you have a hairy back, and, and you're raised Catholic. That's just, that's just the way it is. That's what happens. And so I was raised Catholic, and I remember going to Catholic lessons, uh, Holy Communion and Confirmation and all those things. And the priest, one of the things the priest taught us was the Lord's Prayer. And you, would, you learned that thing inside out, back, backwards, forwards. You learned it, our Father reign in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That sounds pretty good, eh? Did it? Did it really? Thumbs up from Dave. Any other thumbs up? Yay! Yes. Oh, that sounds good. Anyway, we didn't do it like that, but it just sounds more Catholic when you say it like that. And um, we learned it upside down. We learned it in Chinese, Italian, New Zealand. We learned it in all the languages because that was the thing you had to learn. Uh, we learned it backwards, forwards. And, and, and it's a beautiful prayer. And you may know it. I wouldn't be surprised if you know it off by heart as well. And that's something that you may have said as, as a child. And even if you didn't, you probably would have heard it. So why don't we? We're going to recite the Lord's Prayer together. Can we do that? Let's read it out. One, two, three. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What's the little bit that comes after it? Some of us want to say it, don't we? Thine is the... Yeah, we're not doing that bit. Um, but it is a nice bit as well. So that's the prayer we're going to be looking at. Like I said, we learnt... Yeah, some of you might not have liked that translation as well. There's, the translations slowly change. And, and depending on what you grew up with, that's the one you remember, which is quite interesting as well. Not only is this prayer the most 
prayed prayer in human history. Tim Keller actually reckons that it's probably the most single set of words spoken more often than any other in the history of the world. This, this, this single set of this phrase here, this repetition, is probably the most single set of words ever uttered throughout human history, which is quite interesting. Because if you know the context of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6 is, is Jesus' teaching, uh, and it's the Sermon on the Mount. And if you know the context of, of the Lord's Prayer, it's very ironic. Because in the context, right before the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to get to in a second, Jesus talks about different things, talks about giving and, and fasting, and he talks about prayer. And he says, when you pray, don't be, be a hypocrite. Don't be, be someone who, who puts on a big show, who, who stands on a box and uses all these repetitive, babbling words. Don't just say this, the same thing over and over and over. Don't put on this fake facade. Be honest, be sincere, be real. And so it's quite ironic that that is the context of, of the Lord's Prayer, which then becomes one of the most repetitious prayer that, that, uh, human, throughout human history. Because Jesus doesn't say, this is what you pray. Jesus says, this is how you pray. And so let's have a look at the, the Lord's Prayer. Because I think that the, the, the main point that Jesus is making is, again, it's a, it's a model of prayer. This is not what you say, but how you say it. And the heart of what Jesus is saying is, make sure it's sincere and real. I can remember many years ago, we used to, every Monday, a team of us from Lakeside would go to Bankshire Juvenile Detention Centre We'd play basketball games and um, actually once we played a footy game. We only ever played footy once because we got absolutely killed, spanked, and so we went back to basketball. But uh, we would play a game of basketball and then once a month we would play the game of basketball and then we'd have a barbecue after the game. And you know, So you'd be playing this game and you could smell the, the sausage and the onions and the steak cooking and the bread. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. Anyway, we, we finished the game. We went off to have the barbecue and normally one of us from the Lakeside team would say grace. And, uh, but this time, one of the, the inmates said, no, I, I want to pray. And we're like, okay, no worries, you can pray. And, you know, I was thinking the, the stereotypical, Lord, uh, bless the hands that are prepared. It. Uh, we always pray for the hands. I don't, why do we always pray for the hands? We don't pray for the whole body. It's just the hands that prepared it. Uh, but hopefully they didn't use their feet. But anyway, and I was thinking it would be standard, bless the hands that prepared it. But no, this prayer went like something like this. He prayed something very, very simple. God, we're hungry. And we were. I was starving. He was right. God, we're hungry and we can smell that great food. Uh, cheers for letting us eat it. And thanks for the, this lakeside mob coming down to play basketball. Thanks, God. And it was just real. It was simple. It was sincere. And that's, that's what God wants us to pray. And so this is the context of this prayer. And, and the danger is, how do we overcome the, the familiar aspect of the Lord's Prayer? How do we overcome it? Because it's so familiar, we just get caught into it. Ah, it's not that special. It's no big deal. Well, the, the two aspects throughout this series is, it's a model of prayer. But also, we want to be thinking and looking at, well, how do we live the Lord's Prayer? Living the Lord's Prayer. So let's have a look at the first part. This week we're starting with uh, the fact that Jesus says, this is how you pray. 
He says, well, now I'm going to show you how to pray. Don't make it a big facade. Be simple, sincere and real. And then he says this, uh, this call, this invitation. And the bit that we're looking at this morning is our Father in heaven. Everyone say that out loud. Our Father in heaven. Now, this is an address. There's no petition in this first bit. Uh, Jesus is addressing. And what uh, Luther actually says, uh, right here at the beginning, it's not a call uh, to start asking God for things. It's actually a call to remind us, remind us who we're talking to, to get us in the right frame of mind that, that, and come to a situation where we realise our identity in Jesus, that we come to our, God, our Father when we pray. And when we come to that and when we start with that, it, it should set the, the, the mood or the vibe or the, the sense of the whole prayer. This short, short little phrase at the beginning of this prayer, when the original listeners heard this, they would have had their socks blown off. Absolutely blown off. And so we're going to start with, we're going to look at two words, (laughs) big sermon today, looking at two words. And the first word is the our part. Now, normally when you hear sermons on the our father, we focus on the which bit, the father. But I want to start by focusing on our father. Jesus doesn't say, when you start praying, you say, my father. He doesn't say, when you start praying, you, you pray, father. But actually, he deliberately uses this word, our. One little word, tiny word, forms something incredible. It forms an immediate bridge between me and you, between the people either side of you, between uh, Christians here in Australia and Christians in Myanmar, between uh, me and William Tyndale. That simple little word, our, forms this incredible bridge. It's not I or me, but it is our. And I think it's important that we start there because generally we go straight to the father bit. We live in an individual uh, mindset, Australia, very individualistic. But this prayer is, is actually saying we are part of something bigger. Yes, Jesus is my father as well, but it's our father Our Father speaks of shared experience, uh, uh, speaks of shared ownership. It's not just mine, it's it's the other believer, it's my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's it's ours. And if we go back to the William Tyndale story, the, the church of the day said, we will decide. It's we own God and we will be dispensers of that. We will dispense God. Jesus says, no, it's ours. You don't own it and you don't get to dispense it. When, you're part, when you say yes to Jesus, you're a Christian, you're part of the family. It's our Father. So that very simple little word talks about community and belonging. Me and mine leads to isolation and aloneness. Our is talking about belonging. Uh, the unifying our produces an entirely different and dynamic aspect of the prayer. Um, a lot of spiritual commentators, uh, now this bit might upset you, maybe not because you're here in church. Spiritual commentators, if you read again throughout human history, uh, will talk about uh, growing in your faith. The way you grow in your faith is, yes, there's individual things that you, you do, but real growth happens inside of Christian community. 
Real growth happens inside of Christian community. And in fact, when you look at the Bible, you will see time and time again that one of the ways we grow, there's lots of disciplines that we need to do, but one of the main ways we grow is through community. It's through coming to church. It's through uh, belonging to a local body of believers. Uh, If we want to grow in maturity in Christ, we need to interact deeply with each other. And again, this may offend some people. I've never, ever met a Christian who's reached their full potential in Christ who does not belong to a local body of believers. In fact, I would go as far as saying is you cannot reach your full potential as a Christian unless you are committed and you belong to, to a local body of believers. And it doesn't mean it needs to look like this church. It could be a group of Christians that meet up regularly. So, so don't, I'm not saying it has to look like this, but you have to do Christianity with other Christians. Otherwise, there's no way you will reach your full potential as a Christian. And in fact, Jesus is reminding that in this prayer, living the Lord's prayer says, Our Father. You are part of something else. You are part of something bigger. Now, you can belong to Jesus. You can say yes to Jesus. You can be a Christian and not be part of that community. Absolutely. But it's foreign in the New Testament. You won't see it in the New Testament. People respond to Jesus and then they connect to community. You join a movement. It's something bigger. It's our Father. It's not just yours. It's not just you on your own. It's it's. You're part of the movement. You're, it's, it's something bigger than who you are. Now, if I was to say to you, let's just say you love playing football. Uh, at the moment, I'm not enjoying the football. Have you noticed I haven't used too many West Coast Eagles sermon illustrations? <laughs> it's because we're getting killed. Um, they're not my Eagles. Um, I go for the... Who's on top? Bulldogs. Love them. Best team. No. But, but if, if you say, I love football, I love football, I just love it. I, I, every day I love to play and I kick the football, I catch the football. And then I said to you, well, who do you play for? And you say, oh, I, don't, I don't play on a team. I said, what do you mean? Who do you play for? No, I don't play on a team. I'm just part of the broader football family. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Now, you can say you love watching football, but that means you're a spectator. But to play it, you have to be a part of what? A team. You have to play for someone. You can't just be part of the, the broader football family. And so sometimes we do that with, with Christianity. Yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm part of the broader Christian family, the universal church. Yes, you are. But, but you need to connect into a local group of believers. You need to connect with other Christians. Now, being a Christian is a collective idea. Yes, it is deeply personal. Becoming a Christian is deeply personal. Saying yes to Jesus or making a a personal response to Jesus for what he did on the cross. Yes, that's personal. But when you do that, you respond and you now are part of a bigger movement. You're part of our Father. Our Father. Uh, this is uh, really, really interesting. How, I wonder if, uh, well, obviously Jesus knew what he was doing when he said, because he's Jesus, um, but it, it reinforces everything. That one little word, it reinforces that the kingdom of God is a community, not a bunch of individuals doing their own thing. Now, that can be frustrating 
because people can be frustrating. Is the church perfect? No, it's not. But in the, in the, in the, in the sense of that, that non-perfectness shapes us and chips things off. And there's people in, in our community that frustrate us and there's people that we let sell and we frustrate other people. But that's a reminder of the hour. It's our father, and it's in that that we, we actually grow. So this month, when we're picking up the prayer cards, you are demonstrating the our, even though you're praying on your own. That's our father. You're praying the Lord. You're living out the Lord's prayer. When you get your text messages on your phone and you see the prayer point and you stop and pray, again, you may be at, on your own. But think about when you're praying, other people in this body of believers is also praying. That's the outworking of our Father. We, we may be doing it separately and individually on our own, but there's this our happening. There's this community happening. Um, it's this greater call to something beyond ourselves. It's not all about us. What greater way could Jesus have started the prayer in a single word he calls us all together? We looked at this in Galatians. We're all the same. At the foot of the cross, remember, the ground is level. It's us, our. So when, so here's a model of prayer. You can think our, we can pray for other people, but it's our father. It means it's not just me. Uh, there's brothers and sisters who, who follow Jesus as, uh, and who, who have God as their father. But if we want to live the Lord's Prayer, I want you to think about this. So when uh, a friend lets you down, maybe today or tomorrow or this week, I want you to think of the our, O-U-R. Because if you think of the our, then when your friend lets you down, you should be thinking of forgiveness and grace. Or when your neighbour irritates you, think of the our, O-U-R. Because the hour says, love your neighbour. When the person uh, in front of you driving pull, or person aside pulls in front of you and um, cuts you off and you're really agitated, think of the hour, O-U-R, because the word of God said, love your enemies. No, but think of the hour. When your spouse drops the ball, or makes a mistake, or, or, or lets you down, think of the hour, oh, you are, the vows that you, you made to love and to protect, and, and even when it's hard and when it's easy, think of, the, think of the hour. When you gather for worship, think of the hour. Because sometimes when we come for worship, we think of our own personal preferences. Gee, I wish we sung one more hymn, or gee, I wish the song was faster, or gee, I wish Braden slowed down, or gee, I wish the sermon was shorter or longer, or, or we, we prayed more. They're our personal preference. But when we think of the hour, we think of the collective experience. When we hear about a, a, a brother or sister who is sick, think of the hour compassion and empathy. So living the Lord's Prayer means we think of the our. It's, it's not just my father, it is our father. Christianity is communal. And the second part there is the second word we look at today, which is father in heaven or father. We're concentrating on father. The fact that he's in heaven also talks about the fact that he is big. <laughs> he is powerful. He is sovereign. He is mighty. But Father there is very powerful. 
Barclay says it might well be said that the word father used of God is a compact summary of the Christian faith. Just that one word that God is father or this, this concept of meaning that our God is father. No other religion or tradition has that. Christianity is unique. And Barclay says Christianity can be summed up with that one word father, that God is father. In Aramaic, you may have heard this before, the term is Abba, uh, it's kind of like dada, dada or Papa, it's this kind of term of intimacy, a word of meaning belonging and connection, family, protection and love. And let me just say, for some of us, that may not be our experience of our own earthly father. And in a group this size, like I, I would know and understand that some of our fathers have not been great fathers, have dropped the ball, have let us down, and even worse than that. And so when we think of God as father, sometimes it's very hard, and I understand that it's hard to get past our earthly father uh, concept for this, this what, what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is saying a healthy, think of a healthy father, God is, God is our heavenly father, but we can draw analogies and parallels from, from a healthy father, a healthy family. Now fathers aren't perfect, but the majority of them are trying to do the right thing. And, and you know that this concept of father is a term of intimacy, of love, of belonging, connection, protection. And in fact, I think Barclay also says that the gospel again can be tamed in that one little word, Abba. Father, because it's love. God is, God is love. In a healthy family environment, even in ancient Israel, so even the audience that were listening, a healthy family environment, even in ancient Israel, a father's love formed the central uh, or was the center of the household. And so when Jesus utters these words, our father, they would have been like, are you, what, how, is he serious? When we understand ancient Israel and their thinking of God, God was unapproachable. Now, for, for good reasons, well, it started out for good reasons, because they saw God as holy. God is holy. They saw God as sovereign and powerful and almighty. And to get close to God would be to, no, we can't, you can't see God. You can't grasp God. He's too big. He's too awesome. We can't even utter his name. And so, so that, that was the view of God. And over time, that can get warped and, and, and misled as well. Again, no one would dare, dare speak the name of God. And Jesus comes along and he actually says that God is my, his father. He says, God is my father. Me and the father are one. And they're freaking out. What? He just said the father and him are one. And they're, they're like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, God is someone over there who almost is, the whole thing is to love and to worship, but, but to almost be feared. And then Jesus says, not only is God my father, he actually says, when you pray, I want you to start with this intimate term. Our meaning all of ours. And what is it? Father. Now, that would have just spun them out. You can't, you, can't, you can't say, you can't, God is distant and remote. And he just said that we had approached God like a loving, caring father. Blowing the listens away. Now, you may think, oh, we don't have those types when it comes to God. 
we don't have those types of views, but I, I reckon we do. Maybe I've upset God now with that rain. Hopefully there's no lightning. But here, we have different views of God. Some people have a view of God being distant and remote, as in he's a long way away. He's not really interested in what I have to say because he's out in the clouds. Another view that we may have of God is one that he's too busy. Not great clip art, is it? (laughs) That God is too busy for me. There's no way God is interested in my little prayers or my little stress or my concerns and my anxiety. God's got this whole world to run. And so maybe that's a view you have of God. Another view of God that you may have is, is this one here. Now, this one is very, uh, in ancient Israel, that was one that God is, is to be feared and that God will bring judgment. But also, not just in Israel, through uh, Near Eastern cultures, that the gods needed to be appeased and therefore we would bring them offerings, whether they be children, whether they be people, whether they be slaughtered animals. We had to bring these things because God is angry and, and, we, and we don't know whether we can be made right with God, so we'll bring this, otherwise he's going to do something to hurt us and, and ruin our crops and, and, and hurt our family. And so God is to be feared. And maybe that's a view that you have that, oh, I don't want to upset God, I'd better do some good stuff, otherwise God's going to, kind of this karma type view of God. Or maybe this one, a lot of us have this view of God. What is that? Does anyone know what that is? What do you do with the RAC? You call him when the Land Rover breaks down or the car breaks down. When you need what? Help. Now, the Word of God says that when we do need help, we can cry out to God. But sometimes for a lot of us, that's all God is. He's kind of like this RAC God and we call him when we need him. No, I'm all right, God, I've got it now. I've started the batteries, it's working. And, and Jesus says, God is nothing, none of these. And Jesus says, God is more like this, here. And again, it's hard to put an image or a picture of God and, and Father, but Jesus says, God is Father, a loving Father, one who protects, one who teaches, one who guides one who loves, keeps warm. God is Father. God is Father. And Jesus says, Christian, this is what you do. This is how you approach God. Not as someone to be feared. Not someone who's distant and remote. Not someone you just call when, you, when something goes wrong. But as a loving Father. As a loving Father. I don't know if you can remember when Jesus first started his ministry... Uh, he goes and gets baptised by John the, the baptizer. John, he's not John the Baptist, he wasn't a Baptist, um, even though we try to claim him. John the baptizer, and, and he's baptising Jesus. And, and then what the, God the Father says, what does God the Father say? This is my son whom I love and who I am well pleased. He hasn't done anything yet. Seriously. Okay, he was a carpenter, so he might have made some pencil holders or whatever, but he, but he hadn't done anything and God's saying, I love him and I'm pleased with him. Before Jesus does anything, that's the base. God says, I love him. He's my son. I'm well pleased. That's what Jesus is saying. God says to you, you you've said yes to him. These are my sons and daughters. I love who I'm well pleased. 
That's the base, our father. Now, my kids, I've got three kids, 16, 13 and 11. And they don't come up to me and say, hey, Anthony, how was your day? Or they don't come up to me and say, or when they're calling, hey, Anthony, come over here, I need something. They don't use my first name. Sometimes they, when they're being cheeky, they might, and they have a little giggle. Um, but you don't, you don't, they don't use my first name. Why? Because they've got a name for me that only, there's only three people in the whole world that use that name for me. No one else is allowed. No one else can. They get to use this special name. What is that special name? Dad. Someone said lazy bones. No. Dad. Dad. They're the only three people in the world that can use that for me. Aren't they? They could use my name, Anthony, but they, they've got this, this beautiful name because that's the relationship. And, and Jesus says that is, we've got this relationship that we can say, Father, Father, Father. When we call God Father or our Father, we affirm something very foundational about him and us. Foundational about him, that God is love, God is protection, God is nurturing, God loves his children. And when you become a Christian, you are his child. And everything that goes along with that. But then the other side of the coin is, so yes, he is father, but the other side is we are child. We are child, what does that mean? Well, we have direct access to God. Direct access to God. Like again, with my kids in my office, they just come barging in sometimes. Sometimes it's the wrong time. Get out, you're not allowed to be here. But there's no, oh, I need to check. It's because that's their dad's office. We have direct access to God. We can go to him at any time. Why? Because he is our father. We don't need to go to the dispersers of the faith. We go straight to God who is our father. So living the God's prayer or the Lord's prayer, we, we, when we think our, we think others, we think father, everything that goes with, with these images, that should change our view. That should change how we approach prayer. It's not just a list of things. Sometimes it can be, but it's relationship. It's relationship. So when we come to communion, I don't know if you've got your communion cups there. Does everyone have their communion cups? How does this change the communion? Because the reason we can say our Father is because of the work of who? Jesus on the cross. He died on the cross so that we may have life and have it to the full. He restores the relationship between us and, and our Heavenly Father. So what I want us to do now, I can hear you. Sounds like you're trying to eat lollies. Just get out the little wafer. And I want us to just sit still once we've all opened them. I want us to meditate on those two words, our Father. I don't want anyone to take any of it. Any of it right now? Just, just going to the next thirty seconds and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you 
and just meditate on our Father. What view have you had of God? What view do you need to have of God? And I want us to, I don't know if we did this last time, but I think these are too clean. I want us to break these little wafers up. Because the, the word of God says that he was bruised and battered and he was, he was beaten and spat on. And The word of God says that for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For, for he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world to what? Save the world. And it's through that, this broken little wafer, that represents the broken, bruised and battered bones and blood of Jesus. So that we may come to God and have full access and say, Our Father. So let's take the bread together. And again, I just want you to sit and, and, and reflect on those two words. And, and then I'll direct us to drink the wine. Grape juice represents the blood that was shed so that we may have right relationship. The price has been paid. So let's drink together. I'm going to ask you to stand. And let's read this Lord's Prayer. While the musicians come up, we will read this Lord's Prayer together with all that we've learned and heard this morning about our Father. Let's, let's read it out nice and loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. Most gracious Father, we thank you that you are our Father, that we are brothers and sisters, that Christianity is not meant to be done on its own. We're here to, to support, to love, to encourage. Help us to do that better. Help us to do that well. Lord, you shape us and mould us through engaging and connecting with other believers and other people. Father, may we remember that this week. When we're frustrated, when we're struggling, let's remember the hour. Father, when we pray this week daily, let's remember the hour that we're connected. Lord, this morning, if there's any of us who have struggled to to view you as a loving father, whether that be because our own father um, had had let us down, whether that be because we just didn't realise that's what God is saying, may they right now, by the power of your spirit, experience a true understanding of God as father. Just like those human images of of the the, the father and the the child on the bike, the father holding the child, the father uh, protecting their child from the rain, the father teaching and encouraging their child. May we experience that. May we come to you with a posture and an open heart that is sincere, longing to connect with you. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone, amen.